If you're looking for the latest news, insight into what it means, and the sharpest opinion, there's only one station in Chicago where you can turn, and it's this one. We're AM560, The Answer. Good morning, Dan and Amy, and it's time to move from the oleaginous consigliers of Trump's past, like, uh, well, I don't know, Michael Cohen, to a wartime consigliere in the White House, and he's having a difficult time identifying who that chief of staff might be to replace John Kelly at year's end. And there's all kinds of names being bandied about. Uh, I don't know. My favorite so far is probably Mick Mulvaney because he's proven up at OMB. Yeah. There's Steve Mnuchin's on the list. Not a favorite. Congressman Mark Meadows. He's staying in Congress. So it sounds like if you were offered the job, you would say yes. Well, I, you know, listen, there's a whole lot. You don't answer a question before it's asked, but I can say this, that uh, because it's an honor, certainly I'm, I'm favorably inclined to at least have a, a discussion with the president. Also on the list, Corey Lewandowski. That's a joke. Matt Whitaker, current Trumping acting attorney general. Mm. Mm. But then we heard Chris Christie. The big guy? No. The no. big fella? I mean, it, it could happen, but I'm just saying, again, Ooh. from that list, Mick Mulvaney makes the most sense to me. Uh, our friend Larry Kudlow on Wallace over the weekend had uh, this to say about outgoing Chief of Staff John Kelly and the relationship between President Trump and John Kelly as uh, he prepares to depart. Well, look, it's been a long two years uh, for the Chief, General Kelly. Um, you know, he ran uh, Homeland Security and has been running the White House staff. I think, by the way, he's been a very good chief, very orderly processes in the White House. As you know, it's not an easy thing to do. Uh, General Kelly is a remarkable patriot. He has given such phenomenal service to this country. Uh, perhaps it is time for arrest. Um, President uh, Trump at our senior staff uh, Christmas dinner Friday night, uh, had some wonderful complimentary things to say about the chief. Uh, I hardly concur. So I suppose it's time to move on. I don't think uh, people care that much about the palace intrigue in the White House, but by the same token, personnel is policy. Your chief of staff matters, and so um, oh. that selection matters. And, and people wonder why President Trump tweets so angrily at CNN. Listen to how they described it this morning about Trump trying to find a new chief of staff. Multiple sources familiar with the president's mood tell us he's super pissed at the process of replacing John Kelly. And they had yeah. super pissed on the Chiron on the bottom. Those uh, sources right. included, but were not limited to, Jim Acosta and Don Lemon. <laughs> For more on uh, this topic and, of course, the sentencing memos, we're pleased to be joined by our friend Andrew Claven, podcaster. Uh, Another Kingdom, season two is uh, his podcast. And also, of course, a famed Hollywood screenwriter, uh, including of the new movie Gosnell, The Trial of America's Biggest Serial Killer, which you should see if you have not. It's still available to see out here in Chicago suburbs. Andrew Clavin, thanks for joining us again. Appreciate it. Always nice to be here. Thanks. So uh, what about uh, the chief of staff position as uh, the Trump administration is in a bit of transition? Well, personally, if I were on the shortlist, I would be hiding under the sofa <laughs> pretending I wasn't home. I okay. mean, I think uh, it would not surprise me if uh, John Kelly, a combat veteran Marine, uh, now checks into the VA for treatment of post-traumatic <laughs> stress disorder. <laughs> wow. Trump has a, a chaotic management style, and it seems to suit him, and it seems to actually get some stuff done. 
but uh, it can't be very pleasant to work with, and so it's going to have to be somebody uh, with a both a strong personality, but also an ability to uh, meditate at a level of a Jedi warrior. <laughs> I mean, isn't President Trump his own chief of staff? I mean, did he even need a chief of staff? You know, there wasn't a chief of staff before. Truman, I think, was the first one to have one, and he's. I'm sure that uh, Donald Trump makes his own decisions about who can get in uh, and who can see him in his scheduling. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. If, if it's not the position they can fill, he'll do it himself, and I don't think that that would be an utter disaster. I think that John Kelly really did seem to bring a measure of order and professionalism to the White House. I mean, I really do think he deserves the praise he's receiving when you have to remember, I mean, this is one of the the untold stories of the Trump White House. People don't tell it because they hate Trump so much. They're just so busy attacking him that he did come in an utter neophyte. I mean, he, he is really, I cannot think of another president who came in without the kind of political expertise that it usually takes to run these offices. His staff has gotten better and better. His uh, cabinet has gotten better and better as he has shed the kind of some of some of them grifters, some of them just inexperienced uh, philosophers uh, who uh, were the only people he could get to be in his campaign. And a lot of what we're seeing now is basically payback for the fact that he brought in these outsiders. He brought in anybody he could get. And um, and I think that um, Kelly did a great job in kind of turning that around and making it a more professional White House. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, you make a, a good point to sort of remind us to not get uh, too swept up in the D.C. press corps propaganda. You know, his cabinet, and we said this as it was being formed, but, you know, sort of forget now two years in, his cabinet was a strong cabinet. There are a lot of talented people that are cabinet secretaries that are bringing professionalism, advancing a deregulation agenda uh, across these agencies, and that shouldn't be discounted. It's just that he's beset by these uh, bottom feeders that he, you know, came into politics with. Exactly, and not only that, of course, there's the fact that if you go against the uh, leftist um, establishment, and it is now a leftist establishment, a, a, an administrative state that is basically run by the left for the administration of unelected power, for the exercise of unelected power. If you go against that, they're going to find anything they can about you, anything you've said or done that can be used to make a scandal out of you. Uh, they chased uh, Pruitt out of the EPA, and you know he was unwise to do some of the things he did, but it was basically a hit job to get the guy from... Uh, stopping his program of deregulation, which is thankfully being continued now. But still, you know, it's a very dangerous position. If they came to you and said, oh, would you like to come over to the Trump White House and deal with this obstreperous president on the one hand and a murderous leftist media on the other, uh, you might just think uh, I'd rather, you know, work uh, on an oil rig, basically. Well, well there's a busy day today. Paul Manafort's going to face new charges. Mike Flynn is... Uh, you know, it, it's, hard, it's hard to say. I, you know, I, I, I really don't understand. To me, maybe this is, a, this is not a complete picture, but to me, I'm watching this, and I feel like none of the charges that are being thrown at these people have anything to, really, to do with Russia and Trump's campaign. Collusion is not a crime, so even if there was something where Trump's people were meeting with Russian uh, agents, that wouldn't be a crime. So what exactly is going on here? I mean, we now have this leak to yeah. CNN that said that the FBI decided that the president needed to be reined in. Now, um, think about that for a minute. This is a, a law agency deciding that the president needs to be reined in. 
they, their argument for starting this investigation of his campaign was that they were so sure that some uh, Russian skullduggery was going on. They basically spied on a political campaign. They tapped people's phones. I don't understand why the criminal investigation has not turned the other way. I mean, now that the Republicans have lost the House, uh, I don't think they're going to be able to investigate this anymore uh, as effectively as they have before. But what on earth was going on here? I mean, everything we're hearing about now, they're talking about campaign finance uh, violations. I mean, this is why the FBI invaded a political campaign, uh, and they had the uh, intention of reining in the elected president of the United States. This is a gross, gross violation of everything this country is supposed to be about. And to me, that's the story. And if our press was not, were not so corrupt, we're not essentially a corporate arm of the Democrat Party, that would be the story. If it were reversed, if this had been done to uh, Barack Obama or Bill Clinton, I, I, think, I think James Comey would be facing prison at this yeah, point. Yeah, I'll tell I, you I'm what. Just, I, I am shocked by uh, what, what's coming out. You know, it's not that I'm not, I think Manafort is a sleazy guy who did some sleazy deals in the Ukraine. I have no sympathy for him. It's not about that at all. And Michael Cohen is one, he's a a New York type that I've always despised. These make-believe tough guys who go around spouting, you know, uh, lines from third-rate movies. And then the minute they get in trouble, they turn state's evidence, you know. I mean, he's a typical New York character. I I have no respect for them, and it has nothing to do with that. I'm not mourning that. I'm just saying that some Something genuinely awful went on here. The, uh, the establishment led by John Brennan at CAA and James Comey at the FBI and maybe Rod Rosenstein at Justice you know, basically in, invaded the political process on the basis of a Russian collusion theory that's not even a crime. How is there even a special counsel appointed when there's not a crime to investigate? That's well, what uh, the counsel's brief is supposed to be. Well, and I'll tell you what, with respect to the senior leadership of FBI, hopefully when Bill Barr becomes the uh, attorney general, uh, we'll have uh, fresh interest in the inspector general's referral on McCabe and a look at 2016, both with the presidential administration as well as with that campaign on the other side. I mean, J- Cohen and Manafort are transparent scumbags. Yeah. Mike, uh, the James Comey, he is so his unctuousness, his you know <laughs> lack of so intellectual angry. curiosity when when he's uh, not remembering things that he doesn't <laughs> want to be implicated. Too, yeah. I mean, it, he is a disgrace, and what he's getting away with in full public view, I mean, is is remarkable to me, just remarkable. And so this calls to mind a conversation we were having earlier in the show after reviewing the uh, public pronouncements of Theresa May and uh, Emmanuel Macron across the pond there. Is it time for President Trump to have a national address, not just on this topic, but, for, you know, sort of a, a midpoint, stop, look, and listen where he addresses in a scripted way the range of issues confronting the country for the next two years, particularly as you have a House takeover uh, by Democrats. You know, I think it's not a bad idea. One of the problems uh, that Trump has has been uh, the, his, his inability so far to really expand his base. Uh, you know, the kind of uh, speeches he made during the midterms uh, were powerful to a certain number of people, but they also were alienating to other people. There's lots of people in this country, even on the left, even among Democrats, who feel that border security is an important issue, but who heard an undertone of uh, hostility and racism in the way that, whether rightly or wrongly, in the, in the uh, 
rough and ready way that uh, Trump was talking that put them off. And I think this would be a good time uh, for Trump to maybe come forward and, and, and even say, if he could find a writer good enough to write the speech for him, even say, look, I know I'm a rough and ready guy. I know I'm, uh, I'm not the usual politician, but I have done I have destroyed ISIS. I have brought the economy back. I have gotten rid of some stupid regulations. My Supreme Court picks have been good. You know, and here's the way I, what I see going forward in this country. I'm not sure that Trump has the political skill to do that. I mean, his skill has all been kind of instinctive. Uh, he's been kind of like the running back, you know, the, the, the Todd Gurley who just sees daylight and goes for it. Uh, and I'm not sure he has the kind of planning uh, and patience to make that kind of speech. But I think it would be a good thing for the country. For yeah, sure. but also, too, I want some contrition. I mean, we all knew that he wasn't the best husband because of his past behavior. Just come out and say, yes, you know, I've I've strayed in my marriage. Or just, I mean, honestly, <laughs> that's what women want. Are you kidding me? Just we know what he did, and now the Southern District of New York proved it. I mean, they said that in coordination with and at the direction of Mr. Trump, those hush payments. They haven't proved anything. Well, that's what they said in their. That's not proof. That's not proof, but that's yeah, that's Michael Cohen's testimony. But we all knew that Trump was a billionaire playboy. I mean, this is what billionaire playboys do. This is what their defining uh, characteristic is. They go around, uh, you know, getting women who are much too hot for them, and uh, because they're rich, you know. And I mean, this is we we all know. We all know that that was his personality, and uh, and I I thought, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like it's a little bit. It's a little bit. galling to watch the people who defended Bill Clinton, who has been very plausibly uh, accused of rape, and they defended him and his wife, his uh, uh, complicit wife, for 30 years. It's very tough to watch them come after Donald Trump for doing essentially, for essentially consensually sleeping around uh, with women who liked his money and, and then paying them off to go away. I mean, that's, that's as, as sleazy as it's possible to be in my book, but it's not like it was a secret. It's not like uh, any of us thought, like, oh, what a great husband this guy yeah, we're electing this wonderful husband and father. You know, I don't think anybody thought that. And even one of the women he paid off, she voted for him. I mean, she came out and like, oh, I love Donald Trump. I voted for him for president. <laughs> Yeah, maybe that speaks well of his uh, sexual prowess. I don't oh, know. God, oh my gosh! Oh, oh God! You're funny I, that's, today. I'm not I gonna. Like... Ha- I have to get that visual out of my mind. Um, <laughs> I, well, you know, I mean, I just think I, I'm not the. The thing is, you, I don't want to be put in a position of defending Trump's character. His character uh, has really been trashy, as far as I can tell. He has done a great job as president of the United States. Yeah. Uh, and and I think that that is something that's a little bit hard to deal with. That a man who is not possibly who can't possibly be described as a good man uh, in any ways that I think of those things, has actually done a good job as president. And as far as I can tell, has not violated the Constitution as his predecessor repeatedly did. Yeah, and I think that's a good that, point too. You know, that's that's a little bit of cognitive dissonance, but that's the situation we're in. Uh, before we let you go, and uh, before I do this, I just want to get your okay. I was going to submit your name to the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences to host the Oscars <laughs> now that Kevin Hart has uh, uh, declined to uh, apologize. And I, I just wanted well, to make sure you're cool with that. Maybe see if I can I get a Gosnell screen. Choice. I think I'm the perfect choice. I, I you know, the, <laughs> I saw that and I thought they should call me, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll never apologize. <laughs> well, for they might anything. not have a host at all. That's what they're contemplating, too. How about well, a robot? It, it, it's 
not going to make a difference because nobody watches the show anymore because they give the awards to movies that nobody's seen. So it's the, it really is it really is the left eating itself, which is kind of fun to watch. But I, I felt you know I actually felt for Kevin Hart. I mean this has been this is something that the left has been doing for decades is destroying the careers and reputations of people who step off. Uh, the idea plantation that they have created for their special identities, and even people who uh, aren't part of their special identities who just go against, uh, you know, go against their basically their diktats. I mean, I was thinking just the other day of uh, Justice Clarence Thomas, a man who came up from a very difficult background, a descendant of slaves, a guy who started out wasn't even speaking English as a young person. And he rises to be justice of the Supreme Court. It's an epic American story. And HBO makes a movie about the woman who accused him of being a little rude, you know, who weaponized these kind of petty uh, accusations against him to try and destroy him on political grounds. That is, that's a horrific way to use the culture that the left dominates. The left dominates the culture, and they use it as a weapon. Kevin Hart, uh, whatever you think of him as, in his talent, he worked his way up from a very tough beginning to become a, a star in a very tough business, and they just shot him down for nothing, for absolutely nothing, for a, you know, an untoward tweet that he sent years ago. I mean, it is just disgusting, this left this leftist domination of the culture and the people it destroys, the good people and the people who've worked so hard to get what they want, I just think it is an absolute disgrace. And I think that I wish that more people would stop and refuse to apologize, but also stand up uh, and say, you know, we want Kevin Hart in there. Don't take him down. You know, so he sent out a tweet you didn't like. Who, why, why should that end, end his career? It's, it's absolutely disgusting and disgraceful. And I, I really feel for the guy because, you know, I know how hard you have to work to get into that position. Uh, it was, he said it was his dream job, and they, and they destroyed him over nothing. I like uh, Pat Sajak's suggestion that uh, the Academy Awards be held over two days. The first day is just giving out the awards, and then the second day you can have your political rally. <laughs> Andrew Clavin, <laughs> podcaster, Another Kingdom is in season two, screenwriter of the new Gosnell movie, Gosnell, The Trial of America's Biggest Serial Killer at a theater near you. Andrew, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. And he joined us on our turn.